0: This is How to Jumpstart Saving for Your Wedding, written and narrated by me, Christina Fenner. Lately, I've been sharing a little bit about the ways that Dustin and I have been saving up some extra cash for our upcoming wedding, and surprisingly, this has been one of the most popular and most engaging topics that I've ever shared about on social media. I've gotten so many questions, and so today, I'm giving you a full breakdown on how we are saving for the big day. To give you a little backstory, Dustin and I have been engaged since July of 2019, and we have always known that we wanted to pay for our wedding entirely by ourselves, out of pocket without acquiring any debt in order to make it happen. No, there's not any weird drama or beef, this was just a personal choice we made and a goal we set out to achieve. Needless to say, this has been a pretty big undertaking, and it's required a lot of self-control and discipline, mostly on my end. I started sharing about our budgeting journey because I felt like everything I read online or on Pinterest about budgeting was so unrealistic. To quote my Instagram story, I felt like some of the tips and tricks provided online were the equivalent to pulling 150 bucks out of your ass, sprinkling it with holy water, and watching it multiply magically overnight. Dustin and I are very normal people with an average budget, an average income, and average unexpected life expenses. So I felt like sharing the things that we did in order to reach our savings goal were much more relatable and attainable for your average couple. So that being said, let's start off with the very first thing that we did right after we got engaged. The first thing I did after taking my ring selfie, of course, was that I set up an entirely separate checking account for our wedding. I also unlinked this account from our regular checking accounts, so I was unable to see the account balance or info when we logged onto our mobile banking app. I did this because I wanted to make sure it was a out-of-sight, out-of-mind type thing, and I wouldn't be tempted to use wedding money for a Bath & Body Works candle haul. We decided to set our wedding account up as a checking account versus a savings account because once we started paying vendor deposits, I wanted to make sure that we could either pay with a card or write a check. Since our wedding account is not linked, I can only make transfers to the account, but I can't make any withdrawals unless I physically go into the bank. The next thing that I did at the bank was that I set up our regular checking accounts as roundup accounts. We bank at North Country, but I do think that other local banks have a similar option. What this means is that now both of our regular checking accounts have a roundup feature. So every time we make a purchase with our debit card, it will automatically round up to the nearest dollar and deposit that roundup money into a savings account. From there, since our wedding account isn't a savings account, I just transfer whatever amount we've saved from our roundup account into the wedding account. We use our debit cards rather frequently, and you'd be surprised how much you can save and accumulate just by using this roundup feature. I usually do a transfer from our roundup savings account to the wedding account once every two months. However, if you set up your wedding account as a savings account from the start, then your roundup change can be deposited automatically without having to do any transfers. Once we had our wedding account set up, now we had to determine how much money from each job or each paycheck we could tuck away. This was a little different for us because a large majority of my work and pay occurs during wedding season, which is about six to seven months out of the year. Because of this, we determined that from each wedding, I would take a little less than half of my profit and deposit it into the wedding account. This is the very first thing that I do after taking care of all of my overhead costs. I know this sounds like a large sum all at once, but remember, I only shoot weddings about half a year. So essentially I'm making up for the other six months that I don't have wedding payments coming in. Now, since I do work a normal job teaching at SUNY Canton, I was also able to contact the payroll office and set it up so a certain amount would be directly deposited into our wedding account every time I received a paycheck. This was very simple, and I love that it was a one-time setup thing, and I don't even see the money coming out of my check. It's just automatically taken care of. Again, out of sight, out of mind, has been the most successful route for me. Less temptation with automatic savings. Now, that sounds all fine and dandy, but let's remember that we still have regular bills and life that we have to pay for. When you're determining how much or what percentage you can set aside, don't forget that shit happens, and you probably need to replace the tires on your car eventually. Because of this, I found that dedicating one person's income to savings was much easier. Since Dustin works year round for the most part, it's easier to budget our regular life expenses around his paycheck versus mine. Now, I know that every couple's financial dynamic is different. And I absolutely think that communication and teamwork is the most important part when creating a budget and a savings game plan. I do suggest getting this part of your savings plan figured out ASAP so you can maximize the amount of savings that you'll acquire between getting engaged and then actually paying for your wedding. My most recent savings venture that you've probably seen on my Instagram stories has been the envelope challenge. You might've seen a variation of this idea on Pinterest But here's how we are saving an extra $1,500 towards our wedding. Since I started this at the beginning of February, I counted 24 weeks between our start date and our wedding date. From there, I labeled 24 envelopes with $5 increments 5, 10, 15, all the way to 120. And then I mixed up the envelopes, put them back in the box, and every week we have to draw the envelope and deposit the amount of money shown on that envelope. We take that amount of money, seal it in the envelope, and tuck it away. Like I mentioned, by the time our wedding rolls around, we will have accumulated $1,500. I like the fact that the amount each week is sort of a surprise. I may only have to deposit 5 or I may have to deposit 75 If the surprise element doesn't exactly work for you, then just keep your envelopes in order and keep a chart taped to the outside of your envelope box so you know what amount you'll be depositing each week. There are so many variations of this envelope challenge on Pinterest, but my biggest tip for getting started is to determine what the max amount that you can take out each week from your regular paycheck that won't cut into bills, groceries, or other necessities. For us, this was about 100 bucks, but for easy math, our highest envelope is 120 So no matter what envelope I choose each week, I know that that amount is not likely to be an issue to come up with for the deposit. Another option to keep that max amount down is to have multiple envelopes with the same amount on them. For example, if $100 is a little too high, put two $50 envelopes or four $25 envelopes in there instead. It may take a few extra weeks to hit your total goal, but it's always best to make sure that you're not eating ramen every night for dinner just so you can make your weekly envelope deposit. As I was proofreading the script to Dustin, he suggested that I mention that there are so many ways that you can utilize this envelope challenge. Maybe you want to save for a down payment on a house, save for a vacation, or maybe pay off some debt. But whatever the case may be, you can easily customize the amount, length of time, and money increments to best suit your needs. I so wish we would have started this envelope challenge a long time ago because it's worked so well for us so far. I'm very task-oriented and love a good challenge, and I know that it will be so rewarding once it's done. We absolutely plan on setting a new goal and continuing our envelope challenge even after the wedding. Our next and most quirky way that we save for the big day is that we have religiously saved all of our coin change and save all of our cans and bottles. Yes, you heard me right. I have no shame in saying that you'll find my ass down at the Bottle Redemption Center with a smile on my face in July. These two methods definitely take some time to make a real dent, but it's totally worth it because it takes such little effort. Just for reference, when we moved and bought our house, I paid for 100% of our U-Haul and moving fees just from redeeming cans and bottles. No joke. Also, when saving your change, you want to make sure that when you do go to redeem your coins, I actually suggest not using a Coinstar machine, simply because they take a percentage of your total. Sort of like a fee for using the machine. I actually prefer to use the coin redemption machine at my local bank, which doesn't charge a fee or take a percentage. However, keep in mind that you do have to have an account with the bank in order to use the machine without a fee. And as I mentioned, you'll probably want to start these as early as possible because it does take some time to really see an impact. My last and probably most popular tip for saving is utilizing any tax return money and putting it directly into the wedding savings account. I like this one because, in some cases, this can be a big jumpstart to your savings plan by depositing a larger sum at once. Unfortunately for us, this plan didn't work out for us both years of saving because, you know, life happens and we had some unexpected expenses come out that we took care of instead. However, I do firmly believe that it's a good habit to get into using tax return cash on either savings or investment, rather than a new flat screen. I will say that it can be hard to bank on the amount you'll be able to put away from your tax return each year, because as we all know, tax brackets, rules, and all that shit seem to change every single year. And if you own a business, then that's a whole other monster to deal with. But if you are getting a little cash back this year... I highly recommend using at least a portion of it as a boost and as a motivator towards your wedding savings. For me personally, I found that it's a lot easier to continue feeling motivated when you see a thousand in your savings rather than a dollar. I'll be honest in saying that this hasn't exactly been easy, and it takes a lot of self-control and discipline. I wouldn't say that I'm a natural saver when it comes to money, and when I get a little extra cash, I like to spend it. While I don't think that this is a wrong way to be, I do think that it's important to recognize and acknowledge that money-saving comes easier and feels more natural to some people than it does others. Trust me, I am the queen of the treat-yourself mindset, but that doesn't mean that I can't teach myself to develop better money-saving habits. It's a skill that has taken some time to nurture and develop, and I can't stress enough how important it is to set realistic and obtainable goals. There's nothing that will throw you off course quicker than failing to reach a goal straight out of the gate. Sure, if we all put our entire paycheck aside into savings, we'd have our wedding paid for in no time. But again, that's not realistic. It's also important to remember that life happens, and you should probably always plan for the unexpected. For us, that big unexpected was covid As I mentioned, a majority of our savings plan was funded by the weddings that I was booking, and when over half of those weddings canceled or postponed in 2020, that really had a huge impact on our wedding savings plan. This did force us to reevaluate our budget and our savings plan, and we did have to make some cuts. There were some vendors and things that we had originally accounted for in our budget that no longer fit within our adjusted budget due to the loss of work and savings. Sure, I was bummed out, but I also knew that it was more important to me to scale back a little now and still stay on track within our budgeting goal. This financial setback also forced us to modify our savings plan and dedicate portions of other income that I was bringing in from regular sessions or retaining fees. I'm sharing all of this with you, not because I just love airing my dirty laundry, but because I want to share the realistic side of budgeting and saving for a wedding. I want to share the stuff that I can't find or read about on Google, and I want to share my experiences that are likely to resonate with you rather than just making you feel like a broke peasant. I will say that by creating a cushion of time, two years to be exact, has allowed Dustin and I to roll with the punches, make adjustments, and still stay on track. I'm not sure where the idea that you have to get married within a year of getting engaged came from, Long engagements certainly have their perks, and Dustin and I always knew that we would be engaged for at least two years simply because we wanted an ample amount of time to save for our wedding. If getting married within a year is what you want to do, that's awesome, but it's also perfectly okay not to fall prey to the unrealistic time frame. Okay, I know this may sound lame coming from someone who frequently attends pretty bougie weddings, but to me it was more important for us to be in a financial situation after the wedding that allows us to pursue our other life goals. For example, we are planning for a major home renovation after the wedding, and I'd rather cut back now than to acquire more debt and potentially negatively impact us later on when we're dealing with a loan from the bank. Now, that certainly doesn't mean that we're not splurging on some things for our wedding. I knew that I would not skimp on a wedding photographer. Obviously. And so that was the first vendor we booked because we knew that a decent portion of our budget was going to go to that vendor. I also knew that I didn't want this to be a DIY wedding simply because I didn't want to feel the stress and pressure of having to put together 25 centerpieces while juggling a wedding every weekend prior to my own. And yes, in order to make our goal a reality, I also made the decision not to take any weekends off prior to my wedding just as Dustin will be working leading up to our wedding as well. Hooray for teamwork! I also waited to schedule my bachelorette weekend until I had my 2021 wedding schedule all set. I waited to see which weekends weren't booked, and that's how I chose my weekend off to celebrate. And no, I don't feel annoyed or disappointed by having to plan my fun around others. I feel blessed to have enough work in the first place in order to make our savings goal a reality. It's all about mindset, people. As I mentioned earlier, I can't stress enough how important communication and teamwork is when saving for something big. You don't have to be Dr. Phil to know that money is one of the most common areas of conflict in any relationship. No matter what your financial dynamic is with your partner, the key to success here is to keep them in the loop, no matter how uninterested or laid back they may seem. This has been a personal challenge of mine because my inner control freak would much rather just do it myself so I know it's done and done right. But this entire process has definitely taught me to be more patient and communicative. Uh, Trust me, we are not the cleavers over here and we still bitch about money. But I definitely think it's fair to say that it's teaching us both a lot about working as a team when it comes to those dollar signs. To start off on the right foot, One of the very first recommendations that I make to my brides when starting their budget is to determine what I like to call your top three. Remember the good old days and top eight on MySpace? It's sort of like that, but for wedding vendors. These are the top three areas of your wedding or vendors that are most important to you. For me, it was a photographer, the venue, and my dress. Once I had my top three, I knew that a good chunk of our budget was going to accommodate those three areas. From there, I was willing to cut back on other areas like the flowers or cake or decor in order to fit the remainder of our budget. By defining your top three before you put down a single deposit, you're setting yourself up for success by not totally blowing your budget and knowing what areas you're willing to spend a little more on and what areas you're not. Also keep in mind you don't have to have the actual vendor picked out for your top three. For example, I didn't know who I was going to hire as a photographer, but I did know that I was willing to spend a little more out of my budget because that was my number one pick. Or you may as well, in fact, have a particular vendor picked out. And that's great too. I can't tell you how good it feels when a bride tells me that she knew that I was her photographer long even before she was engaged. That shit is better than Christmas. In conclusion, I think it's important to acknowledge that every single person's financial situation is different, and I'm not here to pass any judgment. It's totally okay if your parents are helping to pay for the wedding, and it's totally okay if they're not. Everyone's budget is different, everyone's situation is different, everyone's everything is different. But I do hope that maybe some of these tips help you during your budgeting journey. Modify or tweak them how you see fit, and who knows? you might turn out like me and start to enjoy the feeling of accomplishment and reward of seeing a few extra dollar signs in your savings account than before. Cheering you on from the Bottle Redemption Center, Christina.